Welcome to Inspire Church's podcast. We're excited you're listening. Our hope is to inspire you to grow in God's Word, to grow more in love with Christ, and to go be a light wherever you are. To find more teachings or to donate to the ministry, visit us at inspirechurches.com. For those of you who have been with us, we've been on a generous living series. Amen? And so today, we're going to do things backwards. We're going to take offering at the end. Um, as a response to the worship and to the message. And for those of you that are kind of wondering what we're doing today, when we take offering at the, every, at the end of service today, I want you to know this. All proceeds are going to go to a few families that are in need. Okay. Let me say that again. Act like you've been here the last couple of weeks. When we take an offering, I feel like i got to get charismatic. Just so, When we take an offering today... See, many of you don't go to churches because you feel like sometimes the churches are just going out and wildly spending your money. All of your proceeds that we take today are going to go to families that are directly in dire need. It's a little better. Amen. And so, uh, and so we are not going to take offering right now. There's a second thing that we're doing. Since we've been doing this generosity uh, message, we've also asked you to consider making Inspired Church a place that you would consistently contribute something. Um, and so here's what we're going to do. I'm going to have my guys, uh, they're going to pass these out. Um, and these are generosity cards. These are commitment cards. And at the end of this service today, if you've been waiting to kind of fill them out, um, we will actually dump them in as well at the end of service today. All right? So why don't you guys go ahead and uh, go ahead and just kind of uh, uh, pass these out. Um, again, some of you might have already got this from last week and you've been praying about it this week. I'm going to explain this more in the message. This is nothing binding, nothing contractual. If you're just visiting today, hey, just put it under your seat. All right? We're not talking to you. You just enjoy today's service. I'm not trying to get you to give. Um, but I would love for you guys just to consider by the end of the service uh, what um, God has been putting on your heart. I know my wife and I have talked about this. Um, and we uh, just this whole series has just kind of radically spoken into my heart. And so I'm really, really hopeful um, that all of us will be able to participate in this together. Again, as the message goes, you'll get a little bit more of an understanding um, of how we're going to do this together. So if you have your Bibles, let's jump into this 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And we'll also, if you don't have your Bible with you or you don't have it on your Bible apps, we'll have it up here for you as well. But I'd definitely love for you guys to follow suit with me. Now, before we actually get into the text, I'm actually just going to open up and just share a couple of thoughts. And then we'll jump into this morning's text. So obviously, uh, we, for those of you that have been with us, we've been spending the last four weeks talking about generosity. What is a generous giver? What does it look like to live a lifestyle of generosity? And so if you've missed any of the last couple of sermons, I want to encourage you to go back and check it out on our website, on our podcast, inspiredchurches.com. If you're here today for the very first time, and maybe you've just missed the last three, you're kind of landing here in the end, I'm going to do my best this morning to make sure that you understand kind of where we're at and where we're going. Um, but again, we're concluding our Generous Living series, and I'm excited for this um, conclusion because today we're not just going to conclude the series, but we're actually going to step into generosity. So here's what I want to do. I want to prepare you ahead of time um, because by the end of today's message, I'm going to invite you to consider doing three things. By the end of today's message, I'm going to invite you to consider doing three things. 
And here's what they are. Number one, I'm going to invite you to consider celebrating, amen, celebrating um, Christ with us as a church by remembering his cross in communion. And so we're going to take communion uh, this uh, in just a little while. The second thing I'm going to ask you to do, consider, is I'm going to invite you to consider turning in your commitment cards. Um, pledging to grow in generosity at Inspire for 2019. Again, there's nothing contractually binding. We put it in there so you know. But I want you to consider growing in your generosity at Inspire for 2019. And finally, number three, we're going to take one giant offering in which all of the proceeds are going to go to our families that are in need in this time at Inspire. Um, and like I've been saying to you, as I've been thinking about the ending of this sermon series, I've been excited for a few reasons. Uh, number one, I don't know about you, but I feel challenged personally. I feel excited personally. Uh, as Jamila and I kind of began to talk a little bit about this, um, as we began to kind of talk through this a little bit, um, we felt the Lord inviting us to give more in 2019. And even though giving more can be a little scary, uh, we're excited to worship and look more like Jesus in this area of our lives more than we have ever looked before. In fact, her and I even tomorrow plan to spend just a whole day praying and budgeting and really shaping our lifestyle so that we can become more generous. And again, I don't say this to boast. I just hope I'm inspiring you to uh, you practice what you preach. And I don't like to be a pastor that asks everyone to give. And we're at home just kind of living off of the fat of the land. Amen. Uh, we are in this with you as followers of Christ. And so um, we can't wait. We can't wait just to see what God's going to do in that area in 2019. And here's another thing. I'm personally excited because I can't wait for these families to get blessed. They're going to be so blessed by this. They don't even know who they are, to be honest. Um, I can't wait uh, for these families to get blessed. I know we put it out there in the emails for some people to respond, but there's a few families that don't even know that we're going to bless them. So it's not even like they've been begging. It's been really amazing. Second thing, I'm excited for all of us as a church. Amen? I'm excited for all of us as a church. You know, I've always wanted to plant a generous church, a church that not only gives uh, a church that not only gives to its own, but a church that uses its generosity to bless the city. A few years from now, how cool would it be? How, a few years from now, how cool would it be if Union City said something like this? Uh, or even if the surrounding city said something like this. Man, if that's what a Christian church looks like, we want more of those. Aren't you tired of cities looking at churches and saying they don't do nothing for us? I remember sitting with city officials when we were getting ready to plant, and a lot of times churches are looked at as a drain to a city because the churches will come in and the churches will be in their own little tribe and won't really do much for the city. And a lot of times cities and churches actually attack each other. Do you know that? And then there will be some churches like, well, the demons don't just want us to move into a new building, right? The cities are blocking us. And it's like, well, what if cities actually love churches? What if cities like, we want more? If that's what a church looks like, like we want more of those. Yeah. And it's always been my desire that we would grow into that together. And can I just say for a moment, um, I believe and I've seen uh, from the minute we began to pray about planting Inspire Church in 2015 to the day we actually launched in September of 2016, um, Inspire has always been a generous church. Like you guys have been generous from the beginning. I remember when there was only about 30 of us meeting in my home, in my apartment. Imagine trying to get everyone in there. And from the very beginning, generosity has always been on everyone's heart. 
And so I just thought, I want to take a little bit of time to brag, just a little bit. There's kind of like, there's so many things that have happened, but in the past, in 2018, I just want to brag on four things just really quickly. Number one, uh, every single year since the church has been um, planted, um, Inspire has increased in its giving. It's only been two and a half years, but every year we have increased in our giving. And I want to tell you something. Not only has this allowed us to survive in the bay, but this has enabled us to bless the nations. I want you guys to know meeting in a hotel banquet room, even just on Sundays with multiple rooms for the kids, I want you to know that's not cheap. But I want you to know that you've been giving from the beginning. And at the very least, we've been able to come on Sundays, preach the gospel, equip the saints, minister to your children. But we've been going above and beyond that. We've been going to the Philippines. And this brings me to 2018. We, had, we were able to do some remarkable things in the Philippines. Uh, we supported the local church in the Philippines who planted two more churches. We trained their children's leaders. And I don't know if you know about ministry in the Philippines, but when you plant a church, the parents don't come for about a good three or four years. All the kids come first. You reach the parents through the children in the Philippines. The first year or two of these, of these churches, they got about 70 kids running around, and eventually moms and dads start coming. And the first year we went, there was little parents. There was like two mothers, and there was probably like 50 kids. The next year we came, there was about 12 to 15 moms and dads, and there was kids. What's taking place is that the parents are being reached because the kids are being blessed. And so not only were we able to support the local church financially, but we were able to train their children's leaders. And we hosted for the second time a vacation Bible school uh, where, we, where there were like over 80 to 100 kids every night. Sometimes over 100, sometimes a little bit under 100. They showed up every night. They got fed, and they got taught the gospel of Jesus Christ. We even taught them English while we were there. But I think what most excited me, and don't get me wrong, that was all amazing, uh, was a, this year we added a second component to the trip. Um, you, church, because of your generosity, um, you transported, you fed, you helped house and hosted multiple workshops for over 50 pastors from, from all over the region of the Philippines. Now, I want you to know the regional leader came up to us as we were getting on the bus and leaving with tears in her eyes and saying, I know we don't have a lot of money. I know you funded all of this, but will you please come back? I asked her, what do you need most here in the Philippines? You know what she said her pastors need? Resources. And I said, you know what's funny? In America, we're over-resourced. We got podcasts, conferences, events. Sometimes as a pastor, you're like, I don't even know what model I want to do. There's this church planning model, this model. You're over. In the Philippines, none. In particular with this particular region. And she was like, if you would just come back and cap myself, the team, Chris, we're able to go up there and just able to dialogue with church planters, pastors that have been around some that were broken in tears. Finally, number four, again, we did a lot more than this, but these are kind of just some highlights. Uh, I love the fact that we adopted three families from Paradise during Christmas. And it was really beautiful because Kat led a small team. They drove all the way out there. We met them. We gave them lunch. We prayed over them. And then the generous offering that you had given, we blessed those families with it. So here's the truth. We're not trying to become a generous church. We already are. Amen? But here's my heart for all of us, um, corporately and individually, that we would grow in generosity. That we wouldn't, be okay, that we wouldn't go backwards. <laughs> But that we wouldn't be okay with where we're at, but that we would grow in generosity in 2019.
um, I know that God has called us to do more in the neighborhoods and in the nations. And it's only going to happen here um, with a generous church. Amen? So let's pray. Heavenly Father, and thank you so much for the generosity of this church. Lord, I just pray that in 2019 it would multiply, it would overflow, not so that we can get rich off it, but that your kingdom would be rich, full of people coming to Christ, following Jesus. Lord, not just here in the Bay Area, but all over the nations in the Philippines and beyond. So I pray, Lord, not only will you, will you raise up generous givers in this church, but will you raise up laborers that will actually go? Sometimes it's easier to give to something than to go to something. And so I just pray that this church would have both, and that you would continue to multiply for your mission and for your honor and for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. That was a long introduction. But if you have your Bibles, um, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, 1 through 15. So here's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to conclude this generosity series, generous living series, by giving you a case study on generosity. And here's my hope. My hope is that the generosity of the early church, right, the generosity of the New Testament church um, would inspire us as today's church to become even more generous than we already are. And so let me give you a little context. <clears throat> let me give you a little context before I read um, this particular portion of Scripture. Uh, in the book of Corinthians, Paul, uh, he's writing a letter to a church that he planted in the city of Corinth, hence the Corinthians. Now, in this particular portion of the letter, in chapter 8, Paul is attempting to raise money from this church. He's attempting to raise money from the Corinthians for another church in Jerusalem. Now, in order to stir up their generosity, Paul is telling the Corinthians about the generosity of another group of churches in Macedonia. Does that make sense? So Paul is raising money for a church in Jerusalem, and he's asking the church at Corinth to bring money in to give to Jerusalem. But in order to stir up their generosity, Paul's going to tell them a story about a set of other churches in Macedonia. Y'all with me? Okay. And just so you know, what were those churches in Macedonia? There were three of them. One was Philippi. It's where we get the, script. It's where we get the letter of the Philippians. Uh, the other ones were, uh, the other church was in Berea. It's where you get the Bereans. And Thessalonica. Try saying that. Thessalonica. It's where we get Thessalonians. Amen. First and second Thessalonians. Are you ready? So it's from the Macedonian churches that I want to highlight 10 characteristics of biblical generosity. Are you ready? Here we go. We're going to read verses 1 and 2. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1 and 2 reads like this. This is Paul writing. Uh, we want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty had overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. I don't know if you see the contradictions in here. Let me say that again. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty had overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. You guys see that? So let me stop right here. There is nothing normal or natural about what we just read. 
A lot of times we read over the scriptures and we just kind of, anybody doing the year Bible read? Anybody doing that? I'm doing it. It's kind of something I set for myself this year and I realized all of January I just read to get through it. I'm not even in, internalizing. I'm just, check, check, check. Good. I'm going to read through the whole scriptures. And I actually had to pause myself and say, hey, what's the real point of this? I'm just trying to speed through it so I can say I finished the Bible. Or am I trying to get something out of it? Amen? Okay, back to the story. A lot of times we read and we skip over some things, but I want to point this out. There's nothing normal or natural about what we just read. Hear me out. In Christ, only the supernatural grace of God. In Christ, only the supernatural grace of God, are you ready, has the ability to empower us to live in a way that is contradictory to our circumstances. Only in Christ, through the grace of God, do we supernaturally have access to live in a kind of way that is contrary, contradictory to our current circumstances. What in the world do I mean? Even though the Macedonian Christians were ex experiencing severe affliction, they still had an abundance of joy. Do you see that? I want to say Christians, you know what's going to testify to non-believers? Christians, you want to know what really is going to witness to your friends? Not just you blabbing at your mouth on everything, doing everything wrong and they wish they needed to do this and needed that. That's actually going to repel them. You know what it is? It's going to be your ability to show the grace of God in the midst of pain, but you're still carrying joy. They're going to look and say, wait a minute. Your circumstance and your attitude are not matching. You're going through pain, but you still have joy. What's the key to your success? It's Jesus Christ. It's the grace of God. Paul says, even though the Macedonian Christians, did you see that? We're living in extreme poverty. He says they still were able to what? Overflow in a wealth of generosity. You know what's really crazy? And I've seen it even happen sometimes in different churches. Sometimes it's the people with less money that are more generous than the people with a lot of money. I've seen people want to give so much. And I've looked at them and said, well, wait a minute. I don't think you have a lot of money. Like, you should be saving that. And I'm always so shocked that sometimes it's the impoverished people that give more and the rich people that don't give at all. So some people say, well, that's why we're rich. <laughs> we know how to save some money. <laughs> Amen. There is, we need to steward our money well. I wouldn't, I wouldn't disagree with that. But did you know that the Bay Area is one of the wealthiest places in the world? And we're actually the most stingiest in our giving. So here it is. You ready? First characteristic of a biblical, uh, first characteristic of biblical generosity. Number one, for followers of Christ, poverty does not prevent generosity. Poverty is not an excuse. You ready for this? Our giving, and if you've been at this giving series, this is going to make sense. Our giving or lack of giving is a heart issue before it's a budget issue. Our giving or lack of giving is a heart issue before it's a budget issue. Now, here's the challenge. Don't allow your lack of abundance to disable your ability to be generous. It's not the size of the gift, right? It's the heart. Let's continue. Verse 3, Paul says, For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord. Now, I, I want to stop there again. We're going to continue to kind of take this bit by bit. I want to be careful to explain this. They didn't give foolishly, but they did give uncomfortably. They didn't give foolishly, but they did give uncomfortably. Can I say this? Sometimes we let I can't be the final say. But in this story, Paul says, this, I'm a witness of this. I'm not trying to guilt you. 
I'm just trying to tell you what I've witnessed in this story. Even though it looked like they couldn't, they still what? Did. So you ready for the second characteristic of biblical generosity? It's this. For followers of Christ, generosity should be uncomfortable. What do I mean by that? I mean this. If our generosity is not stretching us, if it's not causing us to have to lean on God and trust him more, then I challenge you to take the next step to get there. Don't give comfortably. Find that line that says uncomfortable and go a little beyond that. That's something that Jamil and I have been praying in 2016. What does uncomfortable giving look like in our life? Not because it's a command by God, but because it's our response of worship and we want to love him and trust him in everything that we do. Are you with me? That one stung a little bit. I could feel it. Let's continue. And we're going to read a little bit of verse 3 and get into verse 4. It says this. um, Of their own accord. And here's what it said. Begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. Can Can I say that again? So they gave of their own accord. And here's what Paul's saying. The Macedonian church that's currently impoverished begged us. They begged us, Paul, we want to take part in blessing the church. Paul, we may be afflicted right now. We may be impoverished right now, but we beg you, we want to take part in the relief of the saints. I love the Macedonian church right there. I love these churches. Even in their current state, they're broke. They're in pain. They're afflicted. They're begging to give their money away. Wow. Why? In the world, would somebody ever want to do that? Number one, grace. The grace of God has impacted their lives. The grace and the beauty of the gospel of Jesus Christ has impacted them in such a way that they want to give. But here's what I want to say that flows out of that. This church, these churches, they had a passion for the mission, and they had a passion for other churches. I can imagine them thinking to themselves, there is no way we're going to miss out on an opportunity to contribute to the move of God and the health of his church in Jerusalem. And even though we're in pain, we're afflicted, impoverished, and broke, Paul, we are begging you. We want to give you this money because we know this money is going to further the mission of Christ's church. You ready for the third characteristic of biblical generosity? It's this. Generosity is not an obligation. It's a privilege. It's a privilege. You're privileged to give. You see, when it comes to the mission of Christ and his church... I don't have to. I get to. I even say this to those that are coming in and serving every Sunday morning. It can be a drag sometimes. But when it comes to the mission of Jesus Christ, you shouldn't look at your serving as something that's taking away. It's actually adding on. It's not I have to. It's I get to. There's an honor. I get to partner with Christ in building his kingdom. I get to step into something supernatural. Every day of the week I go to a mundane job, working mundane hours, and I pay for and I work for somebody else's dream. My whole life is built that way, and I'm trying to find my own dreams in the midst of this. But if I can step into something and make eternal impact, if I can partner with something that's doing something above and beyond and greater... Why not Christ in this church? I don't have to. I get to. Let's continue in verse 5, and this is key. Paul says, and this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord, and then by the will of God to us. See that? They gave themselves first to the Lord, and then by the will of God to us. What seems like a small footnote, first to the Lord is actually what's driving their entire mentality. 
want you to listen to what commentator Kent Hughes has to say about this particular section. He says this. This is by far the most important thing regarding the Macedonians. When we know that our lives are not our own, neither will we think that our possessions are our own. It's easy to surrender part when we've already given the whole. Wow. Let's take money out of the equation. As followers of Christ, we have surrendered totally to his lordship. Our life is no longer our own. Our time is no longer our own. Our talent is no longer our own. Our dreams are no longer our own. Our hearts, our minds, our bodies are no longer our own. He is Lord over everything or he's not Lord over anything. And as disciples, we learn to pray what Jesus prayed. Are you ready? Not my will, but your will be done. Not what I want, but what you want. Sure, will we fall? Absolutely. But, I, but we begin to pick ourselves up and trust in God and pray. Not my will, but your will be done. Now, look, when you've truly done that, it's not going to be easy. There are going to be times where it's going to be difficult. There will be many times when you fail, and that's not the point. But here's what I want you to say. When you've done that, God can place an amount on your heart to give. And instead of wrestling with God, you can surrender and say, I can freely give you this one thing because I've already given you everything. It's the same thing that was said about the martyrs, those for Christ's sake in different countries that are dying. Some people look at him and say, how is it that you could die for Christ? It's because I already have. I've already given him my life. My entire life has already been given over to Jesus. So if somebody wants to take it, take it because I already gave it to him. This is so much bigger than money, y'all. So the fourth characteristic of biblical generosity is this. For the follower of Christ, our generosity is directed by God. When you give yourself to God, his will becomes your will. And for some of us, it takes time. We have to go through a process. You first gave yourself to Christ, and you kind of jumped in. The, the Lord moved slowly with you, didn't he? You're not going to be rushed into doing all these different things. But slowly, see, because here's what God wants to do. You want to see what Jesus is interested in? He's interested in transforming your heart to look more like him every day. He's not interested in you just coming to know him and say, okay, now we're going to make you into this perfect person. This is never going to happen. But as you walk deeper with him and he calls you to deeper spaces, there are certain things that he's targeting right now in your life that 10 years from now he'll target something completely different some of us for the last 10 years he's been targeting the same thing and really stubborn with that give it and give it back but this is a process our generosity in particular is directed by god let's continue to read verse 6 and 7 paul says accordingly we urge titus that as he had started he should complete among you this act of grace so let's pause real quick right there. It means at some point, Titus had already started collecting from the Corinthians money to give to the, Jerus to give to the Jerusalem church. So he's saying to Titus, or he he's saying to the church, Titus already started this with you guys. So we're asking to complete this work. Finish it off. Let's continue. But as you excel in everything, this is what Paul's saying, as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. Notice Paul is affirming all the different qualities that the church in Corinth is really good at. He says, look, you've grown in a lot of areas. You have big faith. He says, your speech is good. You encourage one another in love. But Paul is also saying you should strive to grow in these Christ-like qualities, but you should also not forget to strive to grow in your generosity. 
Again, commentator Kent Hughes puts it like this. There is no way to grow in spiritual maturity without committing your finances to the Lord. He says, Jesus can have our money and not have our hearts, but he cannot have our hearts without our money. What Corinth is experiencing via this portion of Paul's letter, I think Inspire has been experiencing since we started this sermon series four weeks ago. I want you to listen to this. Through Paul's ask for money, a sanctification is taking place in the Corinthian church. You guys get that? Through, Paul, God is using Paul's ask for money to actually initiate a sanctification process in the Corinthian church. What do I mean by that? They are growing into greater maturity. That's what sanctification is. It's growing into Christ-likeness. They are growing into greater maturity and Christ-likeness because of this ask. Similarly, two and a half years old, that's how old we are. Inspire Church is growing because of this series. So here's the fifth characteristic of biblical generosity. It's this. To the follower of Christ, generosity is a sign of Christian maturity. I'm going to say something a little plainly. I don't want this to come off rude, but let the shoe fit and let the Holy Spirit lead. If this is true, here's what the implications of this characteristic mean. If you're a Christian and you're having a hard time growing in generosity... It most likely means you're an immature Christian. If you're a Christian, you're having a hard time growing in generosity. It doesn't mean you're not a Christian. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. Whew. But it does mean that there's some immaturity inside of you. And that this, this series in itself is actually creating a space for you to mature. I love this concept. A great way to mature is to let go of what is already God's. Right? A great way to mature is to learn to let go of what is already God's. Let's continue. Verse 8, Paul says, I say this not as a command. <laughs> I say this. I'm not commanding you to do this, but to prove by the earnest of others that your love is also genuine. In other words, Paul is saying, I bring up the Macedonian churches and how they're expressing their love through their giving because I want your love to be genuine too. This is not a command. Don't give because you have to. Give because love has come you. Don't give because you have to. Give because love has compelled you. The sixth characteristic of biblical generosity is this, and we learned this last week, so this won't be new. For the follower of Christ, generosity is motivated by love and not law. For the follower of Christ, generosity is motivated by love and not law. Can I say something real quick from last week's sermon? Uh, we talked uh, about generosity. We talked in particular about the culture of generosity in Christian churches, and we tackled the subject of tithing. And I know for some of us, it was just we kind of wrestled through that. Um, but I saw two things take place when we tackled this subject last week. Number one, are you ready? I saw this. I saw Christians who don't give get released from condemnation. They were released from condemnation and guilt. And you know what I saw? As a response, they wanted to give. Not a trip. Because here's what happened. They were released from the law, and then the power of love compelled them. I don't want to give because somebody told me I have to. I want to give because the cross of Christ and his gospel is that beautiful that part of who I am becomes a generous person. And so I saw some people released from condemnation, and in their releasing, they're like, thank you, Jesus. And as an act of worship, said, you know what? I'm going to start giving. It's weird how that works. And then here's what I also saw. I saw some believers who have been giving their whole lives a particular type of way. 
I saw some of them wrestle a little bit through it. Say, I don't know, Pastor Phil. Let's talk about this a little bit more. And I love that. But here's what I started to have. I saw them set free and released to say, you know what? I've been giving this particular amount my whole life. Maybe it's time I start doing a little bit more. Because now I've become comfortable with this particular percentage. But I think love is compelling me to go forward. Jamila and I actually are one of those. Generosity is motivated by love and not law. You're sitting in the house this morning, in this banquet room this morning. Maybe you're not a follower of Christ. You're not a Christian. I want you to just kind of continue to observe. This is how we are compelled as Christians to give. Um, And I would hope that you would see the beauty in that. But please, uh, I just want to make sure that we're articulating this in a way that you would understand. So many Christians are just bound by a law. I have to. And my thing is, if that's how you're going to feel about it, then don't give at all. Because your giving is not necessarily supporting a God that needs your money. It's, it, it's actually discipling you in your materialism. It's a discipling you in areas that's holding you back. It's causing you to be more like Christ. Amen? Let's read verse. We're going to skip 9, and we're going to come back to it. 9 is real powerful, but we're going to come back to 9. Let's read verses 10 through 12. How am I doing? It's 11 o'clock. We're doing good. Here we go. And in this matter... I give my judgment. This is Paul. This benefits you, who a year ago started not only to do this work, but also to desire to do it. So now finish doing it as well, so that your readiness in desiring it may be matched by your completing it out of what you have. Here's what I want to say. Paul is saying, don't just be starters, be finishers. Amen? He's saying this, let your yes be yes, and let your no be no. I often tell people, I don't want to be known as a church that overpromises and underdelivers. Amen? You don't want to be known as a person that overpromises and underdelivers. I noticed that as I was looking back at my 2018, I noticed there's an area that I struggled with. Here's what one of the areas that I struggle with, and don't get ready for something big. I'm just, I realize that I read books, but I don't finish them. I realize I read books, but I don't finish them. Now, as my wife and I discussed 2019, I thought to myself, you know what, I need to start finishing what I started. So here's the seventh characteristic of biblical generosity. You ready? As followers of Christ, we're committed to seeing our generosity all the way through. We're committed to seeing our generosity all the way through. Now, we're going to conclude a little differently this morning, okay? Uh, We're actually going to practice what we preach. Go figure. The church is going to practice what we preach. And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to create a space to step into these last three characteristics. Some of you are like, wait a minute, there's three more if you're taking notes, right? So we're going to do ten. We're going to create a space to step into these last three characteristics of generosity. So let me explain to you. I'm going to the worship team come up quickly. First, we're going to start with communion. We're going to start with communion. If you've noticed, we have a table here in the front, two stations on the side, one station in the back. Now, why would we start with communion? Well, here's characteristic number eight. You ready for this if you're taking notes? We start with communion tonight or today because of this characteristic. Generosity is worship. Generosity is worship. And worship is my response to the beauty of the grace of Jesus Christ in my life. Worship is my response to who he is. We don't give to get. I don't need to say, hey, everybody, give offering today because if you give it, you're going to get healed. Give your offering today because if you get it, then you're going to get rich. Because some of you have been giving for a very long time. You're still not healed. You're still not rich. And some of you don't like church because that's how they preach it. It's manipulation. It's not generosity. We don't give to get. We don't attract more financial blessings towards us. 
by giving. No, 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 no. We give because he gave first. (laughs) I don't know where we think we're initiators. Jesus is the great initiator. We were only meant to respond. Amen? So, because he gave it all, I'm delighted to give. I'm excited to give. I'm scared and I'm uncomfortable and sometimes I miss out. But overall, when I know what he gave, I'm excited to respond. Are you with me? Though there may be, though, though there may be some discomfort, it's my joy to respond to Christ's love. Secondly, so first we're going to take communion. Secondly, if you have your cards, me and my wife have been talking about filling this out, figuring out where we're going to go with this. Some of you have kind of been a little like weirded out by the card. Some of you are not sure what, it's pretty basic and vague on here, obviously. We make first and foremost tell you this is not contractual, it's said on here, so don't feel that way. All we want to do is for you to pray and consider just being generous in 2019. If Inspire Church is your home church, this is a church that you come to regularly, we'd love for you to prayerfully consider giving to the mission of God. Why not start with the church? It's the place where the teaching of God and the equipping of God is the primary place where it's happening. Some of you are like, well, I like to give to other organizations. That's great. But why not give to the one organization that you know that you're a part of that is committed to eternally impacting people for the kingdom of God? So it's a 2019 contribution commitment. And then there's a little dollar amount. And what you want to do is you just want to write in there an amount. That amount can say, I pledge to give this much a month. Or I want to give this much a year. And what we're going to do is we're going to pray over them. And when we're done taking communion, we're going to collect them. And finally, well, let me share the biblical generosity that comes from that. Uh, The characteristic that comes from that, it's this. Give in proportionate to your means. Paul says, for if the readiness is there, so he's telling the Corinthians, so if you've heard all of this and you're ready to give, you're pumped up, you're excited to give, Paul tells the Corinthians this, if the readiness is there, it is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what they don't have. Amen? So give in proportionate to your means. I'm not manipulating you to do something foolish with these cards. It's not the size of the gift. But it's the heart. Amen? It's not the size of the gift, but it's the heart. Let me just say two things from that. Number one, don't pay for someone else to eat while your children starve. Got it? You know, your primary ministry is your house. Make sure that they're covered. Make sure the necessities are there. Number two, don't boast about how much you gave. But here's what I am thankful for. I'm thankful that all of us, whether we're rich or poor or somewhere in the middle, all of us can participate in this grace together. Amen. Third and finally, after we take communion, we're not only going to drop our commitment cards in, but we're going to give to a few families that are absolutely in need. Amen. And so here's our final number 10, biblical generosity, characteristic of generosity. Paul says this, verse 13 through 15. For I do not mean that others should be eased and you burdened, but that as a matter of fairness, your abundance at the present time should supply their need. You hear that? But your abundance at the present time should supply their need, so that their abundance may supply your need, that there may be fairness. As it is written, whoever gathered much and had nothing left over, and whoever had gathered little had no lack. 
Whoever gathered much had nothing left over, and whoever gathered little had no lack. What does that mean? Paul's referring to the book of Exodus. The children of Israel are wandering in the wilderness. God supplies them miraculously with manna from heaven. God tells them, collect everything that you need for one house. And in Exodus, Paul is quoting this to the Corinthians, so they know what he's saying. What Paul's saying in Exodus, the family that gathered more would share with the family that didn't get enough. So that all families were together whole. So biblical generosity, number 10, is this, that everyone would have enough. That everyone would have enough. Sometimes, amen, this feels impossible. But how can we accomplish this in the modern day church? I don't know. I don't know. I've been thinking about this. I've been praying about this. This is one of those prayer points that I have. How can Inspired Church begin to create a space? How can Inspired Church begin to create opportunities so that everyone could have enough? And although we can't solve all the problems today, I know we can make a few families live a little easier this week by the amount that we give. Let me read this to you in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. Smack dab in the middle of a presentation to raise money, Paul preaches the gospel. Look what he says. He says this. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Are you ready? That though he was rich... Yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. Can I say that again? Paul says to the Corinthian church, stirring them up to give so that everyone would have enough. He preaches the gospel. He says this. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know the grace of Jesus. That though he was rich, what do I mean by that? He, no one's richer than the king of kings and the lord of lords who sits on the throne. The heaven is his throne, the earth is his footstep. Everything belongs to him. He created everything. He is rich. He says that though he was rich, yet for your sake, what did he do? He became poor. He became poor. No other religion in the world will celebrate a God on high, King of kings, Lord of lords, creator of everything, who stooped down low. And I want you to notice something. When the God of heaven came to earth, he didn't live in a palace like all of our human gods do. Now, he was born of an impoverished couple in the little town of Bethlehem. No room for him in the inn. You know, he was born, he was in a trough, a trough for a manger, impoverished, poor. The son of man had nowhere to lay his head, though he was rich. Though he was rich, yet for your sake, he became poor, so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. And because he lived the life that you couldn't live, and he took the punishment on the cross that you and I could take those of us who have put our faith in Jesus Christ we are now made rich we are fully satisfied in him fully satisfied in him and I want to speak to the brokest person in this house you are rich beyond comprehension because of the gospel of Jesus Christ amen
I just want to, I just want to say this. Uh, this has been an <clears throat> interesting four-week journey for me. Uh, for myself, I've been personally challenged. Um, again, my wife and I have been challenged personally. But also, it's been a little bit of a journey for me in growing in sanctification in this area as well. Uh, as this is something I've really never preached about, talked about. So I even realized I had to break some strongholds in my own life of what I'm a pastor, but how I still felt embarrassed about talking about finances because of in the past scandals have caused many people in our culture to look at the church sideways and in an effort to not have people look at us sideways. Well, maybe we shouldn't talk about money. Um, but I, I realized too that I would be robbing you of discipling you in this area. I wouldn't be doing what God has called me as a pastor, um, as a discipler, if I feared man more than I feared God. And so here's what I do want to say. As long as you're at this church, we're going to touch on subjects that this culture has totally despised the church for touching. But we're going to articulate it in a way that the culture doesn't really understand it. You may not believe it, but you're going to walk out of here thinking, okay, they're not crazy. God has something beautiful to say about the subject. I may not agree with it, but there's a beautiful purpose in it. I want to be a church that understands that whatever God speaks about, that we're going to speak about. We're not going to be afraid to talk about it. We're going to do it in a way, though, that the gospel is glorified, that even the non-believer would leave here and say, okay, I may not fully agree, but I understand. Amen? Because God has called us to be salt and light in this world we have something beautiful to give so I want to thank you for stepping into generosity today I want to thank you because I know some of you are going to continue to step into generosity some of you are going to pray about your 2019 contributions and maybe you didn't give something today but it's something God's going to be moving you towards I want to thank you and for those of you that can't give or not giving uh, I don't want you to walk out of here feeling condemned the gospel is bigger than that the gospel is bigger than that but I just want to invite you to consider praying about what does that look like growing in this area? Is there a stronghold there? Amen. And so I'm going to dismiss you. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Uh, I know this month has been a challenge. I know this month has, there's been a celebration. There's been a challenge. There's been everything in between. I know there are people in here right now that are struggling financially. Lord, but for your honor and for your glory, Lord, I pray that we would see the beauty of your gospel. So, Lord, I pray you would bless everyone in this building I pray that you would you already have blessed us uh, it's not will you bless us you have already given us everything we need we are all sufficient in Christ and so will you help us to walk in that mindset may we not walk in a poverty mindset when we leave here but we will we walk out of here empowered for your honor and your glory in Jesus name we pray Amen, amen. Again, next week, special guest speaker. We'll be making a big announcement. And so I hope you would all come back. Prayer on Tuesday. We love you. Have a wonderful Sunday. God bless.